Good afternoon to all of our fellow health enthusiasts. My name is Aubrey Mast and I'm a professor of nutrition. This is a new podcast developed by my friend and colleague, Dr. Charles Benz, and we call this show Healing Trends with Dr. Benz. We search the internet every day to find the best scientific studies that can be used to improve the health of every interested person. You will not see many of these studies in the conventional media because most doctors do not have the time or the interest in finding them. There are also special interests that are less than enthusiastic about you knowing about the studies. Every week we'll explore nutritional science as the potential to prevent and even reverse 90% of chronic illness. This could save many lives and to help stop the healthcare crisis that will eventually bankrupt our country. This is frequently called functional medicine and it has been adopted by thousands of doctors as well as some medical schools and hospitals, including the Cleveland Clinic. Today's program is entitled Well-Informed Health Decisions. Hi, Dr. Benz. Hi, Aubrey. How are you today? I'm doing well, and I hope you are. Yeah, well, I I, I got an email this morning from one of my doctor friends in Canada. He happens to be the most preeminent medical doctor in the whole country. I won't mention his name, but I'll just tell you there's nobody in in Canada that is more well-known and well-respected than this particular doctor. And he wrote me a one-line question. What is happening to our health freedom? And I thought, holy cow, what a, what a loaded question, right? And I wrote him back three words, ignorance, greed, power. So <laughs> that's my opening salvo. And the headlines that I'd like to kind of tease you with to get you thinking about this, here's one that's kind of shocking. Heart inflammation um, cases increase among five to 11 year olds, according to the CDC. This is from the vaccination. So uh, the five to 11 year olds were told they need to get vaccinated and now we're finding heart inflammation as one of the things that's being reported by parents by many of them that have had their children vaccinated with the mRNA vaccination. And this other headline is kind of in the same vein, the unintended consequences of mRNA shots. And it's a whole article about all the different things that are happening from heart disease and miscarriages to brain fog and increases in chronic illness. And so I think his question was kind of amazing. And I thought, let's look at just some of the case examples of things that are happening right now, where the information that's being sent to most patients about different topics is kind of misinformed. So the first one I'd like to mention is depression. Apparently, uh, depression rates are up, especially among young people in the kind of teens to uh, late 20s. And I think there's lots of reasons for that. I'd like to see what your, uh, your particular reason is. But what I know is that the first response in the media when you Google this is better counseling. These kids need better counseling. And... I don't think that's the first defense. I think nine out of 10 times when somebody has depression or anxiety or any brain challenge, 
it's because they have biochemical deficiencies in their body. And so I tell people about the formula. And the formula is really simple. Quality protein, amino acids, plus B6, B12, folic acid, and enzymes. Those are methylators. They break down the amino acids in order to make neurotransmitters. You cannot make a neurotransmitter without amino acids, B6, B12, folic acid, and some enzymes. And so if you have difficulty making neurotransmitters, that's going to lead to sleep problems. That can, that's going to lead to depression. That's going to lead to anxiety. Almost every brain-related illness starts with getting these nu nutritional needs in our body. And so uh, where do we get them from, from a food point of view? Where, where, where do these things come from in a quality way? What would be the diet that people would, would need to adhere to in order to get these kinds of things? Plus, we know we need magnesium to, to get energy into the, uh, into the cells as well. So there's my first challenge for you. Tell us what to eat to get this brain thing settled and, and on the right track. I would start by staying away from anything that's processed and anything that is packaged. Get rid of the sugar in all forms. And then you move towards a plant-based diet that is organic of origin, especially if we're talking about increasing magnesium levels. For the B vitamins, you would typically want to either supplement if you're following a vegetarian, a vegan, or a plant-based diet. Otherwise, you can get quality B vitamins from quality meat, which means free-range, grass-fed, organic meats, um, and try to limit the amount of cheeses that you're eating. Yeah, and how about nuts and seeds? I mean, some, some, some of the of course anything that's plant-based. Yeah, these come from nuts and seeds. Okay, so there you go. Um, there again, that was misinformation. Now, is that because of ignorance? Is that because of greed? Is that because of power? I think there's a little bit of all of those in there in terms of the misinformation about what causes these, these problems like depression and what people should do about it. So I would say we, we got a trifecta there. All, all three are at play. And, and the public's not immune from this. The public also has a lack of information. And, and so they bear some responsibility. Let's take the next one, digestive issues. This is a 70, 62 million people, uh, Americans, have digestive issues. 62 million. The first response, here's a prescription drug that you should take for this. Now, you and I both know that these digestive issues happen because people aren't reading, eating the right foods. So my strategy on this is, first of all, Get a good, better diet, plant-based Mediterranean diet. Chew your food. You don't chew your food. You don't break it down into small enough uh, uh, amounts so that you can be, di it can be digested. And you don't release the amylase enzymes, which are in your saliva, which helps with the initial digestive process. Then we know that people aren't eating enough raw fruits and vegetables, which is the only place you can get enzymes from because once you cook a food, you destroy all the enzymes. 
And so as you age, you also are making less enzymes. So we say after 40, you should probably be using digestive enzymes with each cooked meal. The next place to, to get started or get at after, after the stomach, and, and, and listen, if people have issues because they've taken too many prescription meds or they've, they've done things that kind of harm the lining of their stomach, this ruins the whole digestive process. But there's, there's a certain form of zinc in, in a product called Nature's Lining from Lane Labs, which will actually rebuild your stomach lining within 30 days. And so uh, you have to get the stomach right, all right? Get the chewing right, get the stomach right, make sure you get your enzymes, and, and then you're going in the right direction. And then as far as your intestines go, um, we know that, and, you, and you're gonna tell us how all the things to do naturally to keep the intestines. In fact, why don't you start with the intestines and then I'll add the supplements. You tell us a little bit more about how people should help their microbiome. Well, the microbiome would be wanting to avoid any type of chemical exposure and also antibiotic exposure, which means looking at your milk, dairy, and meat choices really thoroughly because those are unintended consequences to our microbiome. Also, getting rid of the sugar is really important. Um, and then for increasing the micro microbial biodiversity, you're going to want to do that through not only focusing on plant-based foods that are coming from organic um, sources, but you also want to incorporate more fermented foods. So kimchi, um, sauerkrauts, sourdoughs, um, fire ciders, uh, kombuchas, kefirs, any type of these fermented beverages or foods are a really great place to start. And if you're not sure where to go, um, Sandor Katz, K-A-T-Z. Um, it has a fantastic amount of books out about how to start implementing more fermented foods into your daily diet. And the suggestion is that you should have at least one tablespoon or two ounces um, at every single meal throughout the day to reestablish the gut microbiome. Okay, awesome. So I, I wanted to start with the food first. How, how's your feeling about yogurt? Uh, are there healthy yogurts that can help the bacteria kind of kind of grow and prosper? I've really got an issue with yogurt because yogurts are really sweetened very heavily. And also, if we look at yogurts, one, um, they're coming from dairy for most of the part, unless we're getting a non-dairy. So there's a, additional complications with having dairy consumption for the majority of Americans. Um and you only typically see one to two different strains of probiotic bacteria. So in my opinion, I mean, they are helpful in terms of increasing biodiversity, but they're not the best choice to make, especially because of the other considerations that are taking place with consuming yogurt. Yeah, I, I try to avoid, I try to get organic and I try to avoid cow and go with the sheep and the goat. And uh, I, I, I take those with my probiotic uh, in the morning. And so I try to get a probiotic that has at least 10 to 15 different strains uh, uh, of, of the bacteria and 20 to 20 billion or more. Uh, and then I, I add one uh, big tablespoon of yogurt and a few blueberries because bacteria does love sugar. And so if you want those good bacteria to grow, then you kind of, you, you give them a little bit of a base to work with. And I found that that's helped a lot of people to get a quick regrowth of, of the good bacteria. 
and get them in balance with the bad bacteria, uh, the candida-based bacteria, where you have to at least maintain a 70 to 30 balance of, of the good to the bad so-called bacteria. And, and if you're in the gut and, and you still have some issues, we know that L-glutamine is a really um, helpful nutrient that helps to rebuild the gut lining. And I found out recently there's at least three bacteria that have the ability to close the gaps. In other words, when you have these gaps in your stomach lining, that allows uh, things to leak out and cause allergies, food allergies, and cause IBS and another uh, irritable bowel syndrome and other things that are not good for your gut. But you need to close those gaps. And these three, these five bacteria can be found in a product called Megaspore, M-E-G-A-S-P-O-R-E, Megaspore Biotics. And so I've gotten lots of good resolution uh, from, from these digestive issues with that strategy. So the third and final one is uh, the COVID and vaccine issue. Uh, we, we now have more and more stories of uh, these vaccines losing their effectiveness over time which you know, calls for the need for booster shots, but still not a lot of discussion about the immune system. Although I will now say there are headlines from Britain where the House of Lords Committee has recommended that uh, young people not be vaccinated because there wasn't enough scientific evidence to support it. And this was printed uh, as an article in the British Medical Journal. So this is kind of a breakthrough. This is really, really significant. And the other thing that was in the headlines this week was an article about the Surgeon General of Florida, who is now recommending a stronger immune system and the use of science-based uh, nutrients called quercetin, zinc, vitamin D, and vitamin C. These are really, really big items uh, to, to understand that things are changing. And so we need to strengthen the immune system. We need to have less sugar. What are some other quick things that you can give us tips for, for boosting the immune system before I give us the finale of today's program? I think the best way to start boosting your immune system is to move your body on a daily basis, at least 30 minutes a day. And that can be as simple as walking, uh, get adequate sleep. So put the phone down and reach truly recharge and meditate, clear your head. The stress hormones are really horrible for our immune system. And then focus on who, what the company is that you're keeping. Do they feel supportive? to you and your mission and then also what are you consuming in terms of food all of those factors are ways that we can help bolster our immune system along with additional supplements and vitamins which we've t discussed in other podcasts and and here again i think that the, the people have a responsibility uh to, to to do this on their own because i i don't think they're getting uh, the best advice from the media and from their doctors or their politicians. And so here again, we go back to the original uh, email from my friend in Canada that talked about uh, health freedom and this whole ignorance and greed and, and, and uh, power problem. And so I'm, I'm going to now jump into what are the solutions? What, 
since we have this problem with these illnesses that we just discussed not being diagnosed properly, not being treated properly, not being addressed the way that they should based on scientific evidence, I go back to a book written by Malcolm Gladwell, The Tipping Point. And, and in The Tipping Point, he, he repeats a, a, a case study of a nurse who was trying to get the black community in San Diego to, or to pay more attention to diabetes screening and to breast cancer screening. Guess where he, guess where he found the mechanism to get people to do this? Hmm. It, it was in the hair salons. Hmm. She started to, to do a, a program of educating the, uh, the, the, the women, the black women in the community through their hairdressers and all of a sudden the amount of diagnoses of of, uh, of uh, diabetes and breast cancer went through the roof just through the roof now you and i can say wait a minute uh maybe they weren't they weren't proposing the right medicines and the right solutions but at least the message was clear that there was a vehicle unconventional that managed to get people to pay attention. So let's learn from that. Let's say, wait a minute. We don't always have to go na nationwide. We don't all. We can go to communities to get these things done, and we don't always have to go through the media and doctors to get things done. We can actually light the fire in another way. So that's my first message from the Malcolm. What do you think about that kind of a story? I like it. I mean, I think it makes me think of um, like what about a small group of concerned citizens can truly change the outcomes of humanity. Yeah, I mean, the, the mayor of Philadelphia started a, a weight loss challenge. I mean, I think that was pretty cool. Uh, I, I, I had some success, but I don't know whether it made everybody lose weight in, uh, in Philadelphia, but it certainly was novel and it got other mayors to kind of think about it and pay attention. And here's, here's two that you do know about because I've, I've now done some research on both of these based on your input. And one is the growth of these blue zones in, in the United States. More and more communities are signing up and, and actually registering because you have to go through a survey and an analysis to see whether you're a community that's really ready to do this. And so what you're thinking on that as a strategy for getting more communities moving in the direction of this plant-based diet that, that we know the blue zones also support yeah it can be great for our city i know the city that i live in is trying to become a, a designated blue zone and if you look um i believe it's outside of austin texas there's a designated blue zone as well there it can be a great initiative for getting community members really involved in taking really um, an increased amount of efficacy into their health and their well-being and you told me about the community gardens too. Uh, what is it called? A hundred, hundred community gardens. Yeah, that's right. And so that's another one. That's a kind of a grassroots thing. We always tend to think that we're going to get our health information from our doctor or our politician. And, and, and here's the case where the private sector has decided that, and the communities have decided we're going to take the initiative. Do you think we'll get to the point where certain states and certain communities are like recognized as the healthy places to live 
and they'll start the healthy people will start to move there and oh we're going to end up with a, a country full of unhealthy communities and unhealthy states i mean how do you see this manifesting because if 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 certain communities are trying to do this and 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 they're trying to do it in unconventional ways can this catch on with everybody or is it going to be selective at first and are we going to end up with this kind of these these islands of of healthy communities and healthy states i mean i think we already see that there's islands um if we look at obesity rates and type 2 diabetes rates um across the united states and we compare that with quality of life outcomes and happiness scales there is definitely socioeconomic factors that are at play that create a lot of discrepancies between particular areas um, and we can see that there is definitely um, an unequal distribution of people that have access to local foods to moving their bodies in a safe and meaningful way um, and that are able to actually adapt blue zone mentality and so there are so many factors that are at play that are political but also economic that can't be um, uh, released or um, denied there we go I, I get I get which I get I get what you're saying the denial thing and then and, and, and that's that was going to lead to my next question what do you think is going on with the Millennials I mean people are saying they don't want to work and I'm thinking no it's not that they don't want to work they don't want to work for companies that don't share their values and their interests and their principles they don't want to be paid a, a, a wage that does isn't worthy of their 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 skills and abilities and have a culture that's toxic and not have good healthcare benefits how much do you think that plays into this resistance because as i look around our community and all over the country everybody's crying for for people to to work they need employees and they can't find them and I think everybody's saying, hey, I'd rather take a risk and start my own little business and my own little enterprise than go work for somebody that's not going to really give me a meaningful uh, opportunity to, to learn and grow. What is your experience with, what is your understanding of this? You, you speak to these millennials. I, I, I think you're out of the millennial group yourself, but I think you're more communicating with them than I am. What is your thinking on this whole problem of businesses really not being in touch with these younger employees i mean i think you stated it i think that what we see is that there is a whole generation rightfully so that is looking around at the way that we have set up business and quote unquote success in this country and we've said it equates to working your butt off and working 40 hours a week and we're going to pay you minimally and we're going to expect you to be here from sunup to sundown and this generation saying that doesn't work for us no thank you I will not participate in it. Making $10 an hour, $8 an hour, $11 an hour is not enough to feed my family, nor is it enough to meet the demands of quality of life or living expenses in the area that I live. I do not want to participate in it. I think what you are seeing is that uh, there's a whole generation that is standing up against just falling into the system that was handed to them. And I think along with them, there's another group of resistors, and that is the middle-aged people that are saying, I, I don't care what you tell me about the vaccination. I have my right to do it. I, I read the community, I read the media, and I see there are risks involved for people with uh, pre-existing conditions. Um, 
I'm one of them. I, I have a heart uh, condition, arrhythmia, that I that I was born with. And so I have to be very careful about whether I'm going to do a vaccination or not. And so being pressured to do so is is kind of abhorrent to me. I, I, I'm offended by that. And I, I think there's about 30% of the population uh, in that kind of uh, middle age rage that is saying the same thing. So I think the dissenters are maybe going to uh, combine. We already know that the politicians, the ranking of popularity among politicians in the uh, in the Washington, D.C., is about 10 to 15%. So 95% of people really don't think they're doing a good job. So now we've got businesses not doing it. We know the media is not doing their job. We know that governments aren't doing their job. Don't know whether you know this or not, but years ago, I, I wrote a book, a little booklet called Cutting Through Charisma, uh, subtitled How to Elect Better Politicians. <laughs> And I, I did that out of pure frustration with the inability to get governments to make decisions. Later on, that was in that was the Canadian version of that book. And I can tell you that that book became a, 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 it wasn't a national bestseller, but I can tell you it was popular enough that I went to one meeting uh, in a city hall where there was it was an election. Um, that year and there were 600 people in the room and the local newspaper had printed out the criteria in my book cutting through charisma how to elect better politicians and i can tell you that every person that went to uh, the microphone to ask a question brought a copy of that paper to the microphone and asked the question based on my book and <laughs> A month or two later, after the election, I ran into somebody who, who knew I had been there, who recognized me, and she came up to me in Toronto. This is a city of two or three million people. Saw me on the street in Toronto and said, aren't you Dr. Benz? Didn't you write that book? I said, yes, I did. She said, well, I want to tell you, we unelected 10 of the 11 people on our council based on your survey. <laughs> and I thought, well, how about that? And I think there were stories like that right across the country. And uh, then in, when I got to the States, somebody from the League of Women Voters uh, asked me to change the title and write the American version, which I did, called Electing Better Politicians. And it was featured in a couple of national magazines uh, called Civic, uh, Civic Review. I've also written an article called How to Educate Your Doctor which is quite presumptuous, and I've modified it a few times, but basically, I think people have the responsibility to hold their doctors accountable. They need to ask the right questions. And I guess the, 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 the message from the politicians was, you need to ask your politicians the right questions. You need to select them better, because we're allowing a minority of people to make the decision about who's elected in this country. And so make sure you vote, but make sure you vote mindfully, intelligently. And um, I have done speaking for businesses for 15 years now, CEOs of companies through a, an organization called Vistage International. I'm one of the top rated speakers in the world now because health is a really important topic. But I've helped to educate them about the health of their employees. All of these companies know what to do. They know how to develop a wellness program. 
They know how to do the right thing. But these are progressive CEOs and owners. These aren't the, the mainstream that you are kind of we you and I were alluding to before. And so now I think that we have to decide, is this incremental approach that you and I and others have been advocating for all these many years, are these little pilot projects and best practices, are they going to carry the day? What's your opinion, Aubrey? Are, are these things, the blue zone, the, the hundred uh, uh, gardens, the, uh, the, the electing better politicians, uh, changing doctors to become more functional, is it going to come soon enough for us to really stem the crisis and the, and, and the tide of the health crisis we're up against? Uh, your opinion before I give you my final words. I mean, the optimist in me would like to believe so. The realist in me is doubtful. Um, I think that we could look at creativity, we could look at recycling initiatives, we could look at how we're handling climate change um, or how we're not handling it. We could look at school shootings and the state of education and say that we have not been as progressive as we possibly could. And so the realist in me hopes that we can get our act together and that there's enough concerned individuals that are equally jumping on board. Um, but waiting for somebody else to give us the clearance, um, the information, the permission to eat better and live better lives, I don't think is going to come. It has to come internally. Well, I can tell you that I'm involved in a project right now from the National Health Federation to reform the healthcare system in the United States. And to use every kind of initiative, uh, community, state, private, nonprofit, political, everything that, ever, that, that people think will work. And we had 73 people attend a video, attend a, a, a podcast, and submit three ideas for improving the healthcare system in our country. And so we had over 200 ideas that were generated. There's not a lack of interest. And so I think for the new year, I'm going to pledge that you and I will have as one of our themes, how to improve the health of a nation. And so that's my, that's my uh, New Year's Eve pledge to our listeners, that we're going to concentrate not only on the things that you and I have been concentrating on since earlier this year, we're going to also make sure at least one or two of our sessions every month is about how to improve the health of our nation. Because we want this, these best practices, when we find them, when we rank them according to their effort and their impact, we want people to know about it. And we're going to try to grow this podcast to the point where tens of thousands of people hear about these ideas and find ways in their communities and their states to spread these ideas. That's one of my goals for 2022. So let's thank our sponsors. We've got four of them. We've got MPB Health. Uh, they're a medical cost sharing company and they uh, have been doing this for years uh, successfully with many, many people, thousands of people. And there are other medical cost sharing companies too, but I don't think there's one that concentrates on wellness as much as MPB Health does. And they have videos online that you can go and see what their program is all about. You're going to learn 
that they're able to, to pair costs and improve health and wellness to save about 30 to 50% of the cost of healthcare that most insurance companies are charging. So NPB Health is really a good solution for individuals, small groups, and even big groups of employers. The second one is DHA Laboratories. DHA Laboratories is a medical and health uh, testing company. They, used, they use blood and urine and genetic testing to try to find chronic illness five to 10 years before it actually occurs. And you know, I have five panels there of my own, two on wellness, two on cancer, and one on the immune system. And this week I'll be adding one on the brain and one on heart health. And so we'll have seven in all that people can use to try to determine whether they are at risk of these diseases and whether they are able to change their trajectory uh, physiologically to avoid these chronic illnesses. And the third one is uh, Paddock Pools. Paddock Pools is a very unique pool company. They've created a product called a vacuum extractor that takes chlorine gas off the surface of the water. And that chlorine gas is dangerous, it's toxic, and it actually depletes the amount of zinc uh, that can be developed in your body and the amount of vitamin D3 that's developed in your body, which can lead to a higher risk of cancer. And so swimming is an excellent exercise, but it's even more excellent when you swim in a pool with a vacuum extractor in it. And that would be Paddock Pools in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And the fourth sponsor is Southern Trust Financial Planning. And the important thing to know here is um, if you have any kind of uh, assets that you want to put into a program that will help to build those assets over time, you want to make sure you're healthy to enjoy those assets. And that's what uh, Southern Trust Financial Planning has done for 20 years. They've been, uh, I've been working with them, with their clients and with their employees to make sure that they're healthy and well uh, for the long term. And so I would recommend that if you have uh, the need for a financial planner, then Southern Trust Financial is probably one of the few companies in the country that actually embraces and endorses the things that you and I have been talking about for, oh, those many, these many months. So thanks again, Aubrey, for all that you do and have a great new year. And I look forward to the new challenges in 2022. And you as well. Thank you, Dr. Benz. All right. Bye for now. Bye.